0: With your Bible open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, keep in mind that chapters 8 and 9 are a unit. And we began last Wednesday night, and we mentioned that chapter 8 through chapter 9, verse 6, deals with the freedom of the believer. We're free in Christ. We're not saved because we have certain behavior patterns. We're not saved because we do certain things. We're not saved because we have certain ordinances administered to us like baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're saved by grace through faith. And all through chapter 8, he mentions our freedom in Christ. Now there are some people who take advantage of that and they say, well, I'm free. Nobody can tell me what to do. I'll just live any way I want to live and so on. Well, first of all, if christ becomes your lord your lord you'll not be doing just anything you want to do you'll say lord what wilt thou have me to do and the question will constantly be before the lord lord what do you have me do about drinking what do you have to me do about smoking what do you have me do about dancing what do you have me to do about premarital sex what do you, what do you have me to do about gossip What do you have me do about getting upset with people and having a temper tantrum and so on? So all those things we ask the Lord. So our freedom is in Christ, just like we're saved in Christ. Now, there are two schools of theology today. We don't talk much about them here, but they're they're true. There's Arminianism. The Arminian uh, theology teaches that you have complete free will. And anytime you want to, you can trust Christ. Anytime you want to, you can get out of the word of, out of the kingdom of God. You can just take yourself out. And so many, many groups teach you can be saved and lost and saved and lost and saved and lost. Those are Arminian philosophy or theology. And then there's the other, which is the Calvinist uh understanding of theology and the calvinist understanding of theology uh, the extreme calvinists teach that whatever is going to happen is going to happen whether it happens or not it really says before you're ever born god predestined you to be saved and he predestines others not to be saved now i think that's an exaggeration of the calvinist position although many hold to that. They call it the five points of Calvinism. And they insist that uh, Jesus just died for the elect, not for all men. Well, I think of us rather as biblical, uh, biblicist in our theology. That is, we're saved by grace through faith, and whosoever will may come. But when we come and we look back over the door through which we've come to Christ, it says, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. So those who are saved are the ones that are in Christ. Now, when we get in Christ, we have freedom in Christ. And then Paul goes on to warn you in verse 9, or verse 9 that is. He says, uh, But take heed, lest by any mean this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So we are free in Christ. But our freedom ends where your liberty begins. Somebody says, well, I'm free so I can just punch you in the nose. (laughs) Well, your freedom ends where the other guy's liberty begins. And so we're not that free. We're free to consider the other people. And so Paul goes on to say, there's been a group who have offered meat to idols. To some, this is an offense. Meat offered to idols doesn't hurt the meat. There's no way you could take meat offered to Buddha or Confucius or some pagan god, zeus or jupiter or anybody else and that hurts the meat but there are many people who think it would hurt the meat and paul said i'm not going to offend my weaker brother by eating meat that's been offered idols so if eating meat offend my brother i'll eat no meat while the world stands which bring, brings into play the the importance of influence all of us have one, one big thing in mind, that is to influence others to Christ and to heaven. That's the main work of our jo- of our lives. And if doing something offends somebody and keeps them from going to heaven, they stumble over us into hell, that's a terrible sin. So Paul points out, you sin against Christ when you do this. Now, later on in this ninth chapter, he talks about, The price we, we, as a Christian, we we pay. That is, we are free, but there's a cost to serving Christ. And then he says, uh, beginning in, in chapter 9, verse 14, he says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live by the gospel. Now, some take that just to refer to preachers or missionaries. Well, I think that it, is, it, it has an application to preachers and missionaries. They who preach the gospel shall live with the gospel. And through uh, hundreds and hundreds of years of ministry, God's church and God's people have felt that their minister and their missionaries should be free to serve the Lord. And so they have financially supported those men and uh, women. And I'm grateful for the wonderful way you take care of me. You've gone way out of your way to be a blessing to me. Everything I have has been a gift: my shoes, my clothes, the car I drive, house I live in, and so on. God bless you. But this verse is not just talking about preachers and missionaries. It's talking about all of us. That all of us who are witnesses for Christ, we preach the gospel through our lives, through our testimony, through our soul winning, we're to live by the gospel. Not just to be supported financially by the gospel, we're to live the gospel. The gospel, we're to be an epistle of the Lord, so that everywhere we go, our life is an open book, and people can read us through and through, and can recognize Christ. In you the hope of glory. Then he comes to the last part of this chapter. And he's talking about the Christian's race. We spoke a little bit about that last Sunday morning. In this section, I want you to notice the last part of chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 19. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them which are, that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. That's verse 22. do to mark it in your Bible. That's the major work of every believer. I made all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? Now he's talking about believers running in a race. The whole world is watching. The grandstands are full. They're looking at us. And he said, everyone runs in a race. But one receives the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for a mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we an incorruptible. In the Olympic races. And the Ishmael races. And all the other races. And the horse races. And all. all one person wins. One, one team wins. Uh, One horse wins. But Paul is saying now, all of us are in a race. And it's possible for all of us to win. How do you win? You win by running the Christian race acceptably. He mentions several crowns in the scripture. Among those crowns is the soul winner's crown. Are not even ye our crown of rejoicing when we get home to heaven? And in Daniel twelve three, they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and forever. And then in James, he says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of righteousness, which the Lord hath for them that, that trust him and believe in him. And on and on, he talks about those crowns. Everyone in this room can receive a crown we can receive the winner's crown, and he's saying here we're all in a race. Now, when he gets to Hebrews, and I think Paul wrote. Get to heaven, God will tell us who wrote it. It's sort of a mystery. Some believe Barnabas wrote it. Some believe Luke wrote it. Others believe different things. But anyway, in the eleventh chapter of Hebrews, we have the roll call of the faithful, and all these men. Uh, By faith, Abraham. By faith, Abel. By faith, and so on and on and on. Over and over again. By faith, they ran the Christian race acceptably. Then he comes to chapter 12, and he says, Therefore, wherefore, seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. But before he gets to that, he says, Here's how to run with patience the race that is set before us. Lay aside every weight. And the sin that does so easily you That's how you do it. What are the weights that weigh us down? The Holy Spirit can show you what the weights are in your life. Sometimes those weights are depression. Sometimes those weights are just utter tiredness and exhaustion. You know, one of the best things a Christian can do when he's tired is take a nap. <laughs> Get some sleep. Uh... You don't have to go through life just being sleepy all the time and tired and worn out and so on. Uh, lay aside that weight. In some people, it's a spirit of cynicism or sarcasm or criticism. They just are filled with, with their cynics. Uh, they, they don't have a good attitude toward people, and they're always thinking that somebody's out to get them and so on. Uh, the scripture says, lay aside that. You don't have to have that. It's just a weight. You know, when you're uh, in the in the real races, I understand they train by putting weights on them. Sometimes weights up to their knees. And they run and run and run with those weights on. And then when the day of the race comes, they take all those weights off and they can run so much faster. Now, uh, Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, is, is borrowing that from the athletic world. And he says lay aside those weights you can run the race better without the ra- weight whatever they are a weight may not be a sin in itself it may be something that just weights you down find out what it is every one of us has some weights that hurt it there may not be some sin catalogued in the bible It may not be drinking or carousing or some immorality. It may be just some little old petty thing that's in our lives we need to lay it aside. Get rid of it. And he says there are weights, not just one weight, there are a bunch of them. Whatever the weight is, lay it aside. Then he said, find out that sin that does so easily beset you. Everyone in this room has... An area of life where you have a strong temptation. Find out what it is, get rid of it. Or give it to Jesus. Let Jesus take over. I told you the other day about a man in our church years ago that was a a drunkard. He drank all the time. And we talked about it, prayed about it. I tried to help him go to a rehabilitation place and get rid of his liquor and all that. And finally... He said one day, just sort of like a a dawning in his life, he was already a Christian. He said, "I don't care if a person like that could be a Christian. I don't know." He said he was. Baptists try to believe people's testimony. One day he came and he said, "You know, this has been a sin that has beset me, and I never did really look at it like that. I know you talked to me about it, but I didn't really." He said, "I'm getting rid of it. I've been under the bondage of it too long." he got rid of it for the last 10 years he didn't drink it was a blessing to me i loved him he helped me a whole lot now what is the sin that does please you deception it may be gossip it may be some little old petty thing that, that other people don't think is a sin but you know what it is god has laid on your heart that's a sin maybe it's not reading the bible you know, we get so such a big hurry, we zip through life, and we get up in the morning and run out and do all of the work, get home at night, and we're so worn out, we say, well, oh, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. And that becomes a sin in our life. Lay aside the sin that does so easily beset you, whatever it is, and run with patience the race that is set before you. The word patience means endurance. Patience, we all need it but the root of that word means endurance in other words it's going to be hard not always going to be easy Uh, we used to have a song in our hymn book the road the the heaven is not an easy road it's not an easy way there are a lot of hard things Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ endure hardness run with race run the race with patience and endurance and how do you do that? You looked at Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the chains. What else? He said, you have not yet resisted the blood. What's he talking about? He's talking about Gethsemane. When Jesus went to Gethsemane, the cross was settled in that garden. He prayed, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And God gave him the grace and the strength, humanly speaking, to go through Calvary the next day. And we get to dealing with the historical human Jesus. It's tough. It's hard for us to believe that he was tempted in all points like we're tempted. It's hard for us to believe that he got tired and weary, that he suffered... But he did, and he endured. The Bible says in, in that Gethsemane experience, he sweat as it were great drops of blood. He was he was enduring on the blood to avoid the sin that the devil also joined. Now that's how you endure the race. That's how we finish the race acceptably. Looking under Jesus, the example. We have human heroes. We have human role models. Thank God for them. But Jesus is the role model. He's the one that sets the pattern. Let's look to him. May we pray together. I bowed and eyes closed. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus. I feel so unworthy talking about this tonight. Thank you for all Jesus did. He suffered. He bled. He endured the cross, despising the shame so that we could be saved. And Lord, there's a sense in which we can enter into those sufferings. We can endure the cross. Amen. Come after me. Let him take up his cross and follow me. And Lord, help us to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Help us to want to win that race. Lay aside the weights and the sin that does so easily beset us. Keep our eyes on Jesus. We pray in his name, amen. Let's stand, please. 39, take my life and let it be, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. What a wonderful song. As we sing tonight, if God God has laid any matter on your heart that you need to settle, some of you can settle right where you stand, right where you are. But if he impresses you to make a public commitment, do it. Maybe you just need to come and kneel at the altar. Do whatever God's Holy Spirit lays on your heart to do. While we sing, while we pray, you do what God tells you to do.